Hey, Northeast Pennsylvania, it's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. You can also catch us anywhere you get your favorite podcast. Just search The Rob O'Donnell Show. It's 3.09 here in Northeast Pennsylvania, 78 degrees with sun and clouds outside. Beautiful day outside. But man, were those some storms that came through our area last night? I don't know if you guys got them down here, but um, the flash of lightning actually woke me up to where I guess it made my room that bright to where, you know, it kind of startled me in my sleep. And then next thing I know, uh, that thunder that shook the house sounded like it was right in the backyard. And the lightning had to be close for to light up my my bedroom like that. But it went on for a good hour um, with some some serious lightning and thunder. Rain wasn't too bad. I mean, I saw some runoff, so the rain must have been heavy uh, this uh, this afternoon when I was coming into work. So, the, you know, the gravel moved across the road. But uh, what, what struck me the most uh, last night was that... Uh, that thunder and lightning. The lightning was something else, and the thunder really was uh, shaking the house. So uh, hopefully you guys out there uh, didn't have any issues from it, no flooding in our area. I saw that there were some you know, minor issues here and there through our, our area, but nothing like uh, what's going on down in the south. And now that it's made landfall, the uh, Hurricane Idalia, which landed at a Cat 3, a strong Cat 3. It was a Cat 4 just before it made landfall. And, uh, you know, came on came on shore. So far, you know, the typical things you would expect with a hurricane. But I have uh, friends in clear water tamper and such like that. And, you know, as long as you, you were safe and, and heeded the precautions, there were really no issues. There are, of course, you know, thousands of power outages and such. But it's moving into the Georgia area now. Um, heading towards uh, the Savannah, Georgia area. A lot of flooding in southern Georgia, especially near the coast. Uh, the storm surge was something else in the, the Gulf Coast of Florida. But uh, we'll keep an eye on it. And, you know, there are models that are showing this going out to sea somewhere, you know, off of North Carolina, and then maybe circling back and coming in for a second whack at the the east coast of the United States. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. We'll see what goes on. Uh, might might tilt out towards Bermuda, but the way it's it's curving out to sea and then down is giving it the opportunity to, to make another loop around, and uh, hopefully that does not happen and it avoids us. If you've been watching the news, um, which you're probably better off not, but if you have been, you saw that Senator Mitch McConnell had another another blank that's the only way to call it you know where he kind of forgot where he was forgot what he was saying forgot what he was doing and you know some people around him had to come to his aid where he just stood there with a blank stare and mumbled and such like that at what point do we say enough's enough of this and this isn't a partisan issue this is mitch mcconnell a republican you have john fetterman you have diane feinstein and you have our president joe biden uh you know joe biden is not that bad out of the four and that's saying something. You know, have we really seen much from John Fetterman as far as our active senator here in Pennsylvania? I, I have not. Um, is he even capable of, of doing the things that needs to be done? Yes, he's a place setter. Yes, he's there. Yes, he can vote yes or no. But is it really what Pennsylvania needs as far as that goes? And, and you know, it's just not him. Like I said, Mitch McConnell, it's time to go. He's obviously have health issues. 
He obviously has something there. He doesn't need to be in this stressful environment. He does not need to be standing and giving press conferences, standing in front of the press, the day-to-day grind of, of being a United States senator, especially in a leadership position. They just don't need to be there anymore. Diane Feinstein, the same thing. What they're doing to, to her is just cruel. They're wheeling her around in a wheelchair. They're telling her what to do. She doesn't have a grasp on what she's really doing. She's not has no control over her personal life. Her daughter has power of attorney to do all those things. But yet they'll continue to do the people's business. They'll continue to make decisions for you or I. And it's just got to stop. It's, it's without a doubt has to stop. And until enough people say enough's enough, and again, it's kind of a, a better thing that it's on both sides. Because at this point, can everybody agree that they need to go? They, they, they need to go, and we need to move on from there. And let the people choose who they want to put in there. But why are we settling for someone who can't do the job, who can't not, – not, not only if it's can't do the job, but is, is a danger to themselves for doing it. I mean, they're, they're really putting that extra – Stress and anxiety and everything on themselves that's exacerbating the conditions that they they obviously have. And that goes for for all three of them and including the president. So all four of them. You know, have you seen a statement, an unprepared statement or press conference or anything where Joe Biden isn't off? You know, he is. uh, You know, and if you've ever taken care of anyone who has... Those late-stage issues, be it dementia, be it Alzheimer's, be it anything like that, even even just old age, you can see it in him. And and I'm sorry, we, we need to do better. We need a leader for this country that can project strength, that can project, project what their beliefs and feelings are, what their policies are, what they're doing, not just read what's been given to them. And, and this goes for all of the above, the Mitch McConnell, Fetterman, Feinstein, and, and Joe Biden. We really need to do better as far as that goes. Well, there were lawsuits throughout Pennsylvania about uh, funding for our school districts. There were the, a lot of school districts brought the lawsuit, and it became successful where they, they needed to do a better job in analyzing what school districts get what funding. Well, it's one of those be careful what you wish for type thing because data analysis have been done. And it's kind of reframing the state education issues. Pennsylvania legislators are preparing to return to Harrisburg to sort out this system and the budget. A new report challenges what they call funding cuts and teacher shortage myths. A recently released report from the Commonwealth Foundation provides data showing increased spending and hiring alongside dropping enrollment numbers suggesting more efficient spending options, including pension system reforms. Now, of course, once you mention that, all hell breaks loose, pretty much. But according to the report, Pennsylvania ranks among the highest spending states in the nation. Critics argue that local property tax contributions, which compromise roughly two-thirds of education spending, supplement direct state support they say should increase to meet constitutional demands. That was the basis on the lawsuit. They enacted the 2023-2024 state budget appropriates $7.8 billion for basic education funding. That's a 10% increase over the previous year. The state supports up to 54% over the last decade, reaching an all-time high of $15 billion this year. These numbers rank the state 
as the seventh highest in the nation in funding per student, which is nearly $22,000 per student, more than 5500 above the average. Now, they say the issue isn't lack of money, but how it's distributed. The foundation said in a press release provided, state lawmakers should work to ensure that funding follows the child, not the building, and continue progress on pension reform and benefits that benefits both teachers and taxpayers. Data compiled from the state's Department of Education, the Treasury Account Bureau, in conjunction with the National Education Association, the NEA, and the U.S. Census Bureau was used for this report. State and local taxpayer funding is constantly increasing. We all know this. While there are fewer students, there's also more teachers, administrators, support staff, and significantly larger reserve funds. Since 2020, public school enrollment has dropped 7.7%, while the number of employees rose by 8% representing nearly a 40% growth among administrators. The foundation suggests hiring challenges could be alleviated with pension reform. The average public school teacher earns a salary of nearly $75,000, ranking them 12th highest in the nation. School districts spend an average of $20,000 per teacher in pension contributions to pay off unfunded liabilities. If the state converted the current pension system to a defined contribution retirement system, public schools could provide teachers with an average salary of $95,000 at current spending levels. Taxpayer resources are being stockpiled, the foundation adds, with over $5.96 billion in general reserve funds and another $2.9 billion, which includes charter school and public schools, in unspent federal pandemic aid still sitting in the Treasury. The Learning Policy Institute, a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that works with policymakers and other groups to strengthen the education system, published a report that after reviewing teacher workforce reports as state agency documents for the 2020-2021 and 2021-2022 school years. In states that Pennsylvania does not publish, statewide data on unfilled teacher positions. However, they did report having over 13,000 educators teaching a subject or grade for which they were not fully certified. Of those, 2,086 were not fully certified and held emergency certification. The state says the overall number of new educators entering the profession is declining and a rate of those leaving continues to accelerate, creating staffing shortages that are felt most acutely by schools serving the highest proportions of low-income students and students of color. As a result, by August of 2025, they say thousands of new teachers and educators in other critical roles and hundreds of new principals will need to be trained and ready to guide students' educational futures. The bottom line in this story is now we are seeing a decrease in enrollment, but an increase in staffing. And again, it's not the teachers that are paying that price. They said it. It's administrators that they're stockpiling. They are squirreling away money for rainy day funds and demanding more and more from the taxpayer 
So one of the things that came out of the lawsuit where school districts, the certain group of school districts said that we deserve a more adequate means of funding brought these analyses, which is going to have a holistic look when our representatives get back to Harrisburg. So as taxpayers out there, many of you parents, many of you educators, keep up on what's going on in your schools, including the teachers who do God's work out there. This is not in any way detrimental. Like the study says, they are staffing supervisory and middle management and management positions, administrators in these schools while we are looking down the road in teacher declines, teacher certification declines, people going into the school system pipeline to become teachers, the higher education pipeline is declining. So now's the time to start paying attention to these things as parents. Now's the time that we have to start demanding that being one of the highest in the nation per pupil, per pupil spending, we need to demand more from the state for our children and that our children deserve more. It's 322 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 326 here at the station, 78 degrees and partly sunny. It's time for Rob's Rundown on this Wednesday, August 30th, 2023. It's uh, things that are in the headlines out there, things that are going on in our atmosphere. We probably won't get into them in depth, uh, but they're happening and we should be aware of them. We have a short Rob's Rundown today. Uh, Narcan to be sold over the counter across the nation. It's a good thing facing the pandemic, but we have to keep our focus on why that's necessary. A fire destroys a garage in Peckville. A UTV crash in Susquehanna County kills a teen. Condolences go to the families. And two tractor-trailer crashes yesterday in each direction on 81, six miles and one hour apart. What's going on on 81? I got stuck in uh, the south one near Clark Summit coming into work. The north one was a little earlier. Archwold Police host uh, Cones with Cops had a great turnout there. It's great to see our local public servants come together with the community. And an Exeter man, 70, charged with corruption of a minor. Keep an eye on what's going on with that case. And that's it for Rob's Rundown on this Wednesday, August 30th, 2023. Jay, can you turn my mic up a little bit? I appreciate it. Thank you. Perfect. Um, well, Luzerne County Community College is um, opening up a DEI office. It's a diversity, equity, and inclusion office. They're at their college. Luzerne County Community College is opening an office of diversity, equity, and inclusion, College President Thomas P. Leary said Tuesday at the Board of Trustees meeting. It's going to be located on the top floor of the campus center, right next to the president's office and the Trailblazers Cafe, Leary explained after the meeting ended. And he had to put in quotes, so it'll be given a very prominent spot. Let me ask you something. If all of a sudden, out of the blue, you now open up and start and hire and staff this office, this diversity, inclusion, and equity office, are you admitting that you failed in those areas prior to now, that there is such a need for this, 
that not only are you developing it, you're putting the funds toward it, you're staffing it, you're hiring someone to run it, and you're putting the office right next to the president's in what you're saying is the very prominent spot. Isn't that pretty much admission that you've been failing in those aspects up until this point? I mean, if there's not a need for it, if you've been doing what you should be doing all along, it shouldn't school be about diversity, equity, and inclusion. It, it should be all along. Um, because if you're going out of your way now to target and cater to demographics without others, well, that's discrimination. It could be reverse discrimination or whatever you want to call it, but that's what that is. Or you're admitting that you failed up to this point and you need this office, this new staffing, this new prominent space next to the president's office because uh, there's a need for it because you've not reached your expectations up until now. When I read this story like this and I see this out of the blue that, hey, at this board of trustees meeting, we came up with this. This is what we're going to do because we, we want to do better in this. Okay, well, you're admitting then you weren't doing what you should have been doing all along with the staff that you had, that you had to hire a specific staff for diversity, equity, and inclusion to do this. And they go on, the general objective is to raise awareness and the importance of diversity and other objectives are going to be to promote these events both at the college and in the community. And to highlight that, Leary said, adding faculty will be trying to infuse this into the curriculum. So you're basically admitting that you failed in this effort up until now, and you needed a special office with specific staff just for this. You know, if I was a member of the Luzerne County Community College, if I was a member of Luzerne County, I'd have more questions than, yeah, the fall semester at the college began Monday, and students are still enrolling in courses. Leary said he ex- expects enrollment to be about the same as last year. The college last year served more than 8,800 students in credit and non-credit programs and its uh, main campus and off-campus centers. Tuition is up 3.57% and increased $5 per credit for the 2023-2024 school year. The tuition rate is uh, 2175 per semester or 4350 per year for Luzerne County residents who are full-time students enrolled for 12 to 18 credits per semester. semester. Out-of-county residents are charged double tuition, and out-of-state residents and international students are charged triple tuition. Kevin Lloyd, an accounting student from Wilkesbury, addressed the trustees at Tuesday's meeting to provide a student perspective. He said the college, he said college teachers help him become a greater contributing resident of my community. I'm so thankful for everything that this school has done for me, Lloyd said. I never had uh, dreams before. I never thought it was possible to leave my neighborhood and explore the world. Well, it's great. You're an accounting major. You're in a good degree. Hopefully Mr. Lloyd succeeds in that and becomes a great accountant and gives back to his community as a productive member of society. That's what college is for. You go with a goal, be it accounting, be it nursing, be it whatever. And again, college is not your only avenue when it comes to that. But to come out all of a sudden now and say, hey, 
you know, we're going to fund this office. We're going to give it a prominent spot right next to the president's office. We're going to staff it. We're going to fund it. We're going to this, this is our new new thing. I mean, this was the main topic of this meeting as per the story. So basically, you're admitting that you failed up until this point in these aspects and that you needed this. This is the need that you had for the, the college, this new office of diversity, equity and inclusion. Best of luck to you in that. It's uh, 3.32 here at WILK. We'll be back after the news with Paul Michaels. Here with the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 3.39 here. What is it? Looking for the temperature. It disappears every now. 79 degrees with the sun and clouds outside. Um, You know, we were talking about the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Office, the new prominent office next to the president's office at Luzerne County Community College, because this is their focus and their their main topic at this this trustees meeting that they had to start this. But um, as per communitycollegereview.com, Luzerne County Community College only has a graduation rate of 20% for community colleges, where the national average is 59%. So maybe a little more focus there would be uh, better than starting up this new diversity, equity, and inclusion office that basically just tells me that you've been failing in those aspects, which you should have been doing all along without a specific office to do so. Let's go to the phones now. You can call or text at 570-883-0098. Let's go to uh, Joe from Sawyersville on the PA Senate race. Joe. Yeah. Hi, Rob. Rob, when, when it comes to the uh, Pennsylvania Senate race, now when it comes to John Fetterman, he had a stroke. He was able to beat his Republican opponent. Now, if the Republican Party nominates another right-winger against Bob Casey, the Republican Party will lose again. What's wrong with the Republican Party? I don't have an answer for you. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. I mean, don't these people want to win a race? They lose all the time. Yeah. They should they should nominate a moderate, but they're so dumb. They don't do that. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. Know? I agree with you 100 percent. The Republicans, the GOP in Pennsylvania needs to do a much better job in finding candidates to run for Senate. But regardless of that, look at the people in Pennsylvania who voted for a John Fetterman. Mm-hmm. That's true. A lot of people did. That's right. They, they did. Well, I said, well, I said, I, I, I'm not a Republican, but I mean, I don't understand why these people don't do a better job. How do they keep their jobs? It's unbelievable. I, I, I agree 100%. Rob, we're in such total agreement. I can't believe it. Nice to see you, my friend. So long. Have a good day, Joe. And I unfortunately have to agree with him. We need to do better in running people for offices, national offices here in Pennsylvania. Um, I mean, look, look at the results. A John Fetterman. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? I mean, even if you take the stroke out of the equation, the dude's a train wreck. He's he's a he's a younger version of a Bernie Sanders. I mean, come on, let, let's. He, I mean, highly educated, Harvard educated. You know, I I just don't get it. But if you look at his work history, look if you look at everything he's done, if you look at what he's done. You know, as a lieutenant governor, if you look what he did at the mayor of, of Braddock, you know, it's all smoke and mirrors. And we have to stop settling for, I don't even know if it's settling. We, we just, I, I, there's no, I mean, if, if you're in Pennsylvania and you have an excuse for a John Fetterman, I'd love to hear it. 
I, I'd love to hear it. And if you voted for John Fetterman and you think, yeah, it's great, call me up. Let me know what's, what he's done. Text in. What has he done? He's a place setter. He's, he's a go-along-with-his-party vote. That's it. And that's not what we need on either side. We need people to ask questions. I mean, e- even on the, the, the GOP side, on the Republican side, which needs to get his act together, if that handful of, of, of congressmen didn't stand up to Speaker McCarthy when they were voting for the Speaker to get some things in, we'd be in a lot worse shape if you agree with what their, their demands were or not. But it only took a small handful of people to change the trajectory of how they operate. And even to this day, there's still that thorn in his side to where he just can't do the status quo. He just can't do the establishment things that he would like to do. And Speaker McCarthy has not been impressive to me. If he wants a legacy, he better start getting impressive. But it's kind of hard to do at this point. You know, you have the, uh, the mix. So there's no work to compromise. They're, they're not even, in, in the, for the most part, talking to each other. Meaning both sides of the party. But on either side, all you need is a small handful. I mean, look at what the squad did for Nancy Pelosi. They, they agree with them or not, dislike them or not, which, which I do dislike them. I, I think they're parasites on, on elected officialism in elected government. But they're serving a purpose. They, they are keeping their agenda alive. They are keeping the mainstream establishment party, the Democrat party in this case, in check. Maybe a little bit, but they are. And it's the same on the other side. So if that gets us through whatever you want to call this past couple of years or the past two, the past decade, but it should be getting us through to strive for something better. And we need to strive for something better. It's 344 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is uh, 349, 78 degrees and mostly cloudy outside. Well, we have uh, La Festa Italiana coming this weekend. Caps off summer with a four-day celebration of food, family, and friends. Who's headed to that? I wish I was going to be in town because I do love going to it. I love the food and everything about it. Uh, but I'm going to be out of town this weekend. I'm going to be down. Uh, if you saw the dining room table that I made, I'm going to be delivering it and assembling it uh, down in Virginia Beach. So I'll be down there for Labor Day weekend this weekend. But it's always a great event. Make sure you get out. Make sure you get down there to uh, to celebrate. You know, support local vendors, support the local market, support the local atmosphere because it's uh, what it's all about. And, uh, you know, what better way than delicious food, celebrate Italian culture, even if you're not Italian. You can be Italian that weekend. After a couple of bites of some of the food you'll have down there, you'll be singing in Italian regardless. But it's always a, a good town. And the festival, which began in 1976, it runs from Friday afternoon. September 1st through Monday, September 4th. On Courthouse Square, where else would it be? Visitors can enjoy a range of events from live performances, local and traditional Italian delicacies. Always my favorite. 
The festival is an appreciation of all that is good in Northeast Pennsylvania mixed with the pride of Italian-American heritage, said La Festa president Chris DiMatteo. It kicks off at 4.30 is the opening ceremonies on Friday, September 1st. At 5 o'clock, you have the Picture Perfect Band. 6.30, you have the Electric City Steel Drum Band. 7.30, you have a rendition of Pinocchio featuring the Scranton Civic Ballet Company. 8.30, a tribute to Frankie Valley and the Four Season by Lights Out. What better to be a Friday night down in Courthouse Square. It's supposed to be a beautiful weekend. The Friday's going to be sunny and less humid, high 80s. What better way to celebrate the end of summer than walking around downtown Courthouse Square listening to Frankie Valli songs, eating some of your favorite Italian food, having some Italian pastries, having some, uh, some ice cream or whatever you're going to get down there. That's just the way to do it. That, that's the way I see summer ending. Bring your lawn chair, you hang out, you listen to it. It's uh, some great stuff going on. And then uh, Saturday, September 2nd, at 10 a.m., you have the Captain James R. Minakazi Memorial Race and Walk. At noon, you have Danny Argo and Friends. 1.30, you have the Five Star Dance Academy. 2 p.m., you have the Exact Change Band featuring Paul LaBelle. 3.30, you have uh, the Packy Band. Four o'clock on Saturday, you have old friends down in Courthouse Square. Again, how, how do you beat a Saturday evening with some old friends? You go down there Friday night, have a couple of drinks, listen to some Frankie Valley. You go down there four o'clock, listen to some old friends. Five thirty, you have the Arts and Movement Dance. Six p.m., Billy Joel tribute featuring Frank Provenzano. 7.30, you have Creative and Performing Arts of NEPA. 8 p.m., the Cameos, New Jersey's favorite oldies group. You can't beat the. I mean, you got to block out the whole weekend for this. Sunday, you have the Prima Elite Dance Academy at 1.30. 2 o'clock, you have the uh, Longo Brothers with Gino Mercury as Elvis. You got Elvis coming to the courthouse square on a on a Sunday. Four o'clock, you have TJ Cobo Bianco from the Met, La Fiesta Premier Tenor. Six thirty PM, you have Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin tribute show. Eight thirty, you have Daddy O and the Sax Manix Maniacs. 10 p.m. on Sunday, fireworks presented by Dixon City Hyundai. And then uh, Monday, to wrap it up, you have a whole day of events. That goes from uh, noon till about 6. And then there's uh, another stage, the Wayne Bank stage at Cafe Adams Avenue. What I just gave you the the deets for was the Alfredo's main stage, Linden Street and North Washington Avenue. So you can't you can't beat those things. You can't beat an end of summer like that. 
Will they have a full complement of food vendors on Friday evening? Yes, they will. So uh, looking at some text messages coming in. Yeah, if you're in the area, you got to get down there and enjoy this. Be part of the community. Even if it's not your community, it's welcoming. It's uh, always welcoming. It's always enjoyable. I'm going to miss my fried dough. I'm going to miss my uh, my Zeppelis, as we call them in New York up here. It's more called fried dough. But enjoy yourselves. Let me know if you're going to head down to La Festa Italiano this weekend. It's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK. It's time for the Bloomberg Money Minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 359 here at the station, 78 degrees with some sun and clouds outside. I just pulled up uh, Senator John Fetterman's... Uh, Congressional record, his Senate record, and uh, he actually has authored more bills than I thought he did. He has authored 17 bills, but if you look through the bills, most of them, uh, if not all of them, have under 14 co-sponsors, which means he's not even getting the support of his Democratic Party, although he's uh, you know one of their main votes. So, uh, yeah, he's got thing like the Poultry Growers Fairness Act the Name Accuracy and Credit Reporting Act, the Supporting Urban and Innovative Farming Act, Food Secure Strikes Strikers Act, um, names a couple of buildings, Organic Science and Research Investment Act, and Shovel Ready Streets Act. Some of the bills that Senator John Fetterman's staff wrote, because we know he didn't write them. But again, most of them have less than, the most has 14 co-sponsors. 